It's time for Real Estate Roundup. This is the time every single week we get together with noted real estate agent Terry Story. Terry is a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams located in Boca Raton, Florida. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve. I love having you in studio with me today. This is so much fun. Terry's in the house. (laughs) She's in the house. All right, let's talk about the degree to which good credit can help you even as a renter. Oh, absolutely, Steve. You know, when I do a rental, the first thing we look at is credit score. And we go, yippee, when we see somebody that has a good credit score. You're almost willing to forgive a lot of other things like their pet and everything else just because they have good credit score. Why do you think the credit score is so important? What does the landlord see when they look at that? You know, it it demonstrates responsibility. It demonstrates they've been able to manage their finances. You know, I feel bad, you know, when we went through the recession and a lot of people lost their jobs, you know, credit scores were dinged. But outside of that, being able to demonstrate your credit worthiness is really important. Well, you know, the credit bureaus use these filters and these algorithms to kind of figure out what would constitute someone with good or bad credit. So a landlord seeing that, there's kind of the credit bureaus are doing all the work for them. Right. So I think the landlord's major goal in life is to get paid every month and to make sure that the place isn't trash. That's right. Okay. And I hate to say, but there is a correlation in a lot Mm -hmm. of times, good credit score and the way that people will you know, keep up a house, or at least it's yeah. the perception. And that's what you know, a lot of landlords are looking at. Yeah. So as a person with a higher credit score, whether you take out credit or not, in this world that we live in today, it gives you more bargaining power and it gives you more access to the things that you want in life. That's right. Okay, cool. Very good. So there's another aspect that I want to discuss with you today, and I'm pretty disturbed by this. And that is something called mortgage trigger leads. Yeah. What is that? Well, basically what happens is when you apply for a home mortgage to get pre-approved, it triggers. And what's happening is the credit bureaus are taking your name and selling the list Mm -hmm. of people that have applied for a mortgage or gotten pre-approved. So then what happens is these bad people get a hold of this information and then start calling you. One, they're trying to, you know, potentially solicit your business to them or B, you know, steal from you, get information from you because they're calling you, asking you financial information. Well, one of the credit bureaus actually advertises the fact that they get those names out within 24 hours. Right. So you can get a call from someone and says, you know, we have you down here that you applied for a mortgage yesterday and you're like, yeah, well, that's pretty legitimate. How would this person know? Right. And now you know. Now you know, you heard it here. Yeah, so (laughs) they'll take you down the garden path here, all with the idea of trying to get something out of you. And in the meantime, they don't really know anything except here's a lead and here's a person that may be looking. That's right. Yeah, it's terrible stuff. I know that Congress is trying to do something about it. I hope they do. Actually, there was one recorded voicemail, and it basically stated that the person on the phone misrepresented who he was. He was said, where he was calling from and the purpose of the call. He said he identified himself as an underwriter rather than a telemarketer. He made false claims that he was calling from Fannie Mae, you know, the government-backed Fannie Mae is never calling you. They're never, (laughs) the IRS is never calling you. That's right. Fannie Mae is not calling you. And finally, the caller said he was following up on a loan application made to the agency yesterday, implying falsely that he already had the borrower's basic information and simply needs to follow up with some additional questions. Ain't no additional questions. 
You call a bank, they call you back, you're working with them. That's right. You call another bank, you get banks competing with each other, that's fine. You're putting it out there. Don't respond to these telemarketers because that's what they are. Exactly. Okay. So I want to talk about small houses. I don't really understand them, <laughs> but you know, there's houses that are a thousand square feet. And look, I, I mean, I remember living in an apartment for years and years and years that had 1,175 square feet, two bedrooms, one and a half baths. And we, right. we did what we did. Okay. We, we lived the way we had to live. But to actually go out and, and desire a small house is a trend. Tell me about well, you know, it is a trend that people are actually looking for smaller homes. And, you know, they're, they're talking about a thousand square feet. This can be going from maybe, say, a 5,000 square foot house down to a 2,500 square foot. So it's all relative. But the bottom line and idea behind it all is it's just easy living in a smaller house. You accumulate and acquire less stuff yeah. if you're in a smaller house. Uh-huh. Bigger house, you fill it up. You yeah. fill up your space, whatever that, you have. That, I think that's a natural law. It's a law of nature that uh, nature abhors a vacuum, right? So if you've got extra space, you're going to have to fill it with something, right? Now we got stuff under the bed. That's right. We don't know what to do with anything. And the truth is I want to buy more stuff, but I got no place to put it. When my husband said we needed a bigger house, I'm like, no, it's time to get rid of stuff. (laughs) No, okay, okay. I'll get rid of you. Get rid of you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got some information here about the housing market and evaluating it since the Great Recession. So. There was a review of the 11-year economic cycle surrounding the last U.S. housing market downturn and then the boom and bust years between 2006, 2011, the ensuing recovery. And this data goes through December 2017, so it's very current. Number one, residential home prices began to peak in some parts of the country as early as 2005, according to the report. Do you think that was the same in your experience in Florida? Oh, absolutely. I remember my last transaction, December of 2005, and that was the last high, and then went yeah. down. You know, it's funny because there is a psychological investing behavior. It's called anchoring. Right. And everybody knows what the value of their house was worth at the peak. At the- <laughs> <laughs> and they don't want to sell until they get back to that number. Okay. So after falling 33% during the recession, Prices in most markets have returned to their peak levels, growing 51% nationally since bottoming out in March of 2011. However, the average home price is now only 1% higher than it was at the peak in 2006. So those people who said, I only want, you know, the value of that house when it was at 2006, they had to wait 12 years basically to get back to even. They could have done a lot better with their money somewhere else, figured out something That's else. right. Sometimes you just have to take your losses. You really do. All right. So what state suffered the biggest drop during the recession? Actually, it was Nevada with a 60% peak to the bottom. That's a lot. 60%. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wipeout, basically. Now, has that come back to its level? No, unfortunately, it hasn't. It's still about 23% below the pre-recession peak. Mm. So actually, prices got ridiculously high then, then crashed, and they haven't even gotten back. To it has something level. to do with Las Vegas and yeah, gambling, I I'm sure. So. Okay. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but that's interesting stuff. My guest, as always, is Terry Story, a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams, located in Boca Raton, and she can be found at terrystory.com. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve.